Good evening, uh, listeners. This is Ian with a, a mangle throat, and uh, welcome to movies, music, movies, and madness. And um, this evening, we are going to be looking at everyone's laughing at me on the screen because it sounds like Barry White. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, is, this evening, we're going to be discussing. A wonderful year, and we thought we'd take you guys back to this is probably a, a bit of a fave for all of us the the wonderful eighties mm. and the year I chose for us this year was uh nineteen eighty eight What was going on in eighty eight It was the first red nose day. Did you know that oh it okay. was the Phantom of the Opera opened yes. I can't believe that opened in eighty eight it's been yeah. going for ages. It has, eh? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Australia celebrated its 200th anniversary. And well, it was also the first. Well, yeah, sort of. Sort of. I think there was 50,000 years beforehand as well. It, it <laughs> ah, didn't exist before then. No. no. What are you on no. about? I think, you know, I think people had been there for a while. <laughs> no, they haven't. Ramsey Street was only that old. Yeah. Oh, true. And, yeah. 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 The, 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 the UK. Had the first female prime minister, Maggie Thatcher, and uh, I suppose I should introduce a panel. If you've, if you've never listened to the show before, we've got a panel of four: David Chan, hi, hello Ian, good day, Martin Galia, Glenn Thurston's down there. He's got plenty to say for oh. for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> no, not oh. me. Good evening, everybody. Good evening. Good evening. Let's uh, let's just flick through the music. Was it 1988? What a wonderful year for music. There were some corkers. Let me rattle off a couple of great albums for you. Poison, open up and say, ah. MC Hammer, let's get it started. Rick Ashley, your arms. <laughs> Kylie Minogue, Kylie. Oh, yeah. Milli Vanilli, all or nothing. Oh, we'll have nothing, thanks. Uh, new Kids on the Block. Hang in, tough. Terrible. So this, this is a few corkers for you, anyway. There is so much awfulness <laughs> in that chart, which is why <laughs> I'm hoping this panel tonight can save us. <laughs> oh, Who I wants should, to save us first? I, I should. Who be wants so to lucky. go first? Put your hand up. Oh, we we know. Martin's sitting there. He wants to go yeah, first. Yeah, yeah. Of course he does. Yeah. What Martin, are we doing first? Well, welcome to 1988, mate. We're going to do an album. How about that? Let's, let's go an album. An album. Yeah. yeah. How did you get on? Uh, good, yeah. Um, I, was, I was thinking a lot about this this week, and um, I really wanted to, rather than just kind of do a retro thing of picking an album from 88 that I listen to now, I wanted to find an album from 88 that I listened to then. <laughs> oh. So. Okay. So, I don't know, what were we in 88? 12? 12. Yeah, yeah thereabouts. Yeah, yeah, yeah around right. about that. Um, and I had, um, I can remember having my portable tape deck and uh, my collection, cassette collection. Mm. And uh, I definitely had this album on cassette. I do remember that. Um, it's, um, yeah, a bit different. One I, I, I probably wouldn't have kind of predicted that I would end up doing on the show, but... Um, Nonetheless, it's, I think it's a great album, um, and it's uh, Robert Palmer. I've gone with Robert Palmer. Simply irresistible. <laughs> yes, indeed. And the album is called <laughs> Heavy Nova. Ooh, and, um, right. Yeah, um, it was kind of it was the follow up to to his Riptide album, which came out I think in like eighty five, mm. which was the one I had like addicted to love and like you know didn't want mm. to turn you on and stuff like that on it, which were massive, you know number ones in the States and, and the rest. And Those videos, eh? Yeah, yeah. yeah that was 85. 85. Was it really that far back? He was Man. cool. He oh, was cool. Yeah. And um, this album, yeah, it was the, the follow-up album, and he best didn't change the formula up, which was probably a really good thing because off the back of this, he ended up with another number one in, in America, uh, <laughs> which was for three weeks, I think, that uh, um, Simply Irresistible got to number one. And um, yeah, um, it, it did 
it was sold quite a lot. Yeah, he did pretty well out of this album as well. Um, yeah, I mean, his story is, is kind of interesting. Um, he's from Yorkshire originally um, oh. and kind of played in a, a band called Vinegar Joe. Um, was the vocalist with them for a while uh, back in like the late, I think, early 70s. Uh, and this was like his ninth solo album. And he had a reputation as being quite a smoothie. You know, he's in that kind of uh, uh, Brian Ferry kind of thing, but not quite as oily as Brian Ferry, I don't think. Um, but he was also a bit of a rocker. He liked to rock out as well. And um, yeah, he, he definitely had a love of like R&B and, and soul music, but but tried to kind of cross-pollinate and use lots of different kind of genres in his, in his albums. Um, but the first track, yeah, Simply Resistor, we're going to play a bit of this because this is an all-out rocker, just a great starting one. Um, so let's, uh, let's kick off with that tonight, I think. Yep. Put your roller skates on. Here, Here we, we go. go. It's hard to it's hard to listen to that and not see the music video. Absolutely, the Palmer Girls as they became the red lipstick, (laughs) the high heels, sheer sheer stockings. Oh, it's just like yeah, yeah. Hard to get out of your mind. Why would you? They can live rent free. (laughs) Why would you want to? Rent free in my mind for many many years to come. Have you heard yourselves? Jesus. And I think um, if, if there was one word I would use to describe Robert Palmer, Palmer sorry, is uh, slick. He always was just bang on, and like production-wise, it's a great album. Those drums just absolutely kick, um, sound awesome. Um, it's, it is quite eighties and production sounding, isn't it? The yeah, yeah, it's very eighties, hollowy yeah. kind of echoey. Yeah, it's hollow-y. got that dated thing going yeah. on. Yeah, and the really, really cheesy rocky guitar (laughs) squealy bits and the little synth beep beep (laughs) i love it on the weird kind of sound effects i'm not sure what the hell that is but it's quite cool (laughs) um yeah um so that's that's my first one tonight um the second track i've got for you is kind of taking it the other way it's a ballad um and this song I absolutely loved when it came out. Um, it, did, it was a hit in the UK, but didn't make it anywhere else. Did very little in the States, I think. Um, and it's uh, yeah, a full-on ballad one, and it's called She Makes My Day. Like I said, slick. 
Uh, <laughs> it's um, that's an interesting song for me because it sounds like it's got like three bits to it. Very much kind of if you could take any of those three sections of that song, I kind of made them into a different single, and it probably would work really well. Um, yeah, um, it's just yeah, I, I you know trying to think back, but like as a twelve-year-old, yeah, you know, I, I just thought he was super cool. Loved it for great songs, great videos, really stylish, stylish. Yeah. Just had it going on. Mm. Um, tragically, you know, he died uh, at 49 of a heart attack. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, he, was a, he was a chronic smoker, though. He was smoking about 60 a day, apparently, forever. And, yeah. and he drank quite a bit, too. He oh, did, yeah. He, was, oh, he, his he parties. Liked... Yeah, parties were legendary. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Those two things are never a good combination, listeners. Don't do it. And if you're going to, might as well chuck a KFC in there once a week. <laughs> Seven nights he a week. Was, he was, um, what's that that studio over in the Caribbean? Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. He was yeah. Compass Point? Compass Point. Compass Point. He basically, he, he is Compass Point. You, talk, you, listen, you listen to um, to Guy Pratt talk about mm. the days mm. when he was, he was a session musician there and you had the Talking Heads and you had Robert Palmer and those jokers partying up. 24 7 it sounds like it was it was a great time you know but obviously it caught up with him it did point. yeah but he probably yeah. lived three lifetimes you know in that oh totally yeah. yeah i definitely burnt the candle at both ends i think yeah um yeah so that that's my choice this week for album yeah um heavy nova robert Palmer. yeah nice yeah cheers do you um thanks martin do you think this would be an album it's a question for all of you tonight would would that be an album that you would buy and put in your collection? I mean, re-listening to it, did you think it was a a, a stand, you know, good album still, or just was it more the hits? Yeah, no, I think it's dated a bit, uh, definitely mm. production-wise. Um, but you know, the songs are still good. Yeah, you know, I still found myself kind of singing along to a couple of them. Thinking, oh, yeah, I know this one. <laughs> know that <laughs> yeah. one. Know that it's, one. Um, it's a shame you can't. That is, it is no longer with us because quite often mm. you get those. You get those tracks or those albums from the eighties, particularly the eighties, because of that gated snare on the drums. Uh, it's 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 hard to listen to these days. But if you see those same bands playing it live, yeah, you you often you often appreciate those songs so much more because they're given kind of that mm. modern, you know, modern sort of spruce up for, you know, whether it's an acoustic rendition or whether they're just playing it today's audiences and you hear it in a totally different light of course we don't have that luxury with robert because he's no longer around but it's, it's sometimes yeah. hard to get past that 80s heavily produced particularly on the drums um but then you know why would you it's a, it's it's classic and i mean that simply irresistible sounded amazing just then didn't it i mean it, yeah it's, punchy. it's, it's, oh, it's absolutely. right great track i was reading an interview earlier with um the bass player, Leyland Sklar. Do you know Leyland Oh, yeah, Sklar? yeah. It's the guy the with, the with the beard. The long beard, yeah. Crazy beard. He used to play with Phil Collins. He's played with everyone. He's he one has. of those guys. He's yeah. done like 2,000 albums he's played on um, in his career. <laughs> um, and he was talking about drummers and like modern music production and stuff. And like, especially saying like, if, if you're playing with a drummer and you and he, he's not got it in the pocket, if he hasn't got a groove going on, just suck him. Like, just get yourself a better drummer. Because <laughs> it's, it's got to that point now, he said, where, like, so many musicians yeah. who are actually going into studios recording don't have the chops, don't have the skills. Yeah. It's especially vocalists. He said, if you go in it, and, you know, and, you know, there's people now employed in a studio to tune the vocals. That's their sole purpose in life is to, to tune vocals, auto-tune. Um, but he was saying that so many of those albums, when they go out live... Um, just come to life, you know, all mm. of those songs, just take it up mm. another level because for the first time, they've actually got like proper session players there who can actually get, get in the groove and find that yeah. pocket and, yeah. and bring those songs to life. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's uh, an important thing. Yeah. You know, mm. um, he is also the same guy that said that uh, the way he used to, I think the way he used to win over fussy producers sound producers was he had a switch on his bass guitar and uh and he had lots of things on his bass guitar and when they say the sound wasn't quite right or what they're after he used to flick the switch and say i've put that on 
And they used to say, yeah, that's perfect. And the switch was not connected to anything. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That's that's beautiful. David, all the way up there in Rotorua. Yeah. Um, Okay. How did you go? I went with uh, Roxette's Look Sharp from 88. Mm. Um, Another terribly dated album that uh, um, there are a couple of songs that perhaps that gated reverb. And just for, for those out there that might not know that is, gated reverb is when you've got um, a reverb on the drums, in particular the snare drum, that reverb basically gives you that sort of um, thickens the sound of the drum and sort of normally on a reverb, you, you have that reverb, right? So it's sort of sustain the, sustain the note and let it play out. But the gated part comes in, it sort of chops it off towards the tail. And so you get quite a sharp, punchy sound. And we heard it just before in that Simply Irresistible. And we're going to hear it shortly with this track from um, Roxette's Look Sharp album. Uh, Roxette, uh, pretty powerful duo. Yeah, you had Marie Fredrickson, was it? I'm just trying to remember. I'm looking. Damn, doesn't matter. Yeah, so Marie Fredrickson and Per Gessel, Gessel is it, I think? Both Swedish. Per does the majority of the songwriting. Um, Marie does a lot of the lead vocals, but not all of them. Um, he also uh, he does a lot of the, um, uh, the the verses. She does the choruses. Tends to be the sort of formula that I've worked to. Uh, and this album, obviously '88, got a it's got a song on there um, from the movie Pretty Woman, which came out in the, that came out 1990, I think, uh, and uh, what is it? Uh, used to be love, I think. Must have been love. Must have been love. Right, Must have been love. One. That's the one. Must have been love. That is the but, one. But it's over now. It it's is. over now. <laughs> well, it was a Christmas song. Did you know that? Oh, so God, that was, nice chirpy that, song for Christmas. That, that was meant to be a Christmas song. Um, they do it. They Last do it Christmas, I gave you my heart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's got a. It's got. I mean, it's it's stacked with hits, right? You've got the look. Um, um, dangerous, one of my favorite tracks. But the track I've gone for for my first pick is one that I I um, I liked back in the day because I bought this album when it came out. I absolutely love it now, though. And it's only because I'm now old enough to know what the hell the song's about. It was It's about seduction. So I won't go into all the details because I'll leave it for the listeners to sort of Pretty, pretty cool when you sort of start to unpeel, particularly the verses. Um, and he's singing about he's singing about a, a woman that's come into his life and she's she's kind of seducing him and he's not sure if it's love and and she's like going, trust me, buddy, it's love. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it's it's so it's such a cool tune. But um, what I really like about this one is that the verses are quite dark and edgy. Uh, and the chorus is very light and sort of um, sparkly. Uh, the chorus is what sort of drew me in when I was a young fella, 12, 13, I think, when I first heard this. But um, it's actually his his verses, which will now sort of, uh, I think, really make the song. And so I'm going to put it on. It's called Paint. I mean, you can hear that gated snare drum, right? Right, bang, bang, bang. And it's like, it's kind of 80s. It's what you expect. But that guitar it's, riff. Oh, yeah, it's definitely got that, 80s sounding guitar, doesn't it? That, yeah. that synth, the, the, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. the Nordic mm. squelchy bass. Mm. <laughs> oh, I want that bass back, yeah. yeah. Um, that really dates it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally. Like, within like three years or something. <laughs> Just like, 
Synthetic sound, wasn't it? Yeah. And she takes it she's got to be one of the best, oh. one of the best female singers ever. She's good, amazing. I um, I got to see them live. I saw them in '92, and it was my first pop concert. And she was phenomenal, man. Yeah. Oh uh-huh. God, could she? Well, oh, oh, what a set of pipes! Amazing mm. voice, like, and mm. to keep and she, you know, this was they were doing like something crazy, like 120 day world tour. And this was like, you know, slap bang, sort of somewhere in the middle. Um, but like, no fatigue. Voice was just absolutely bang on, like, every song. Mm. Great. Brilliant. Good, man. Have you got another yeah. song for us, Dave? I have, mate. I have. Um, I've picked my absolute favourite of rock sets out of all of them. It's not their biggest hit, but it's one that even back when I was a young fella, I listened to this uh, pretty much all the time. Um, I just had this one. This is one of those ones you have on repeat. Ah, oh, when you're a young fellow and you're like, I've got to, got to, got to play this one. Here we go. Right, and I'll just put it on from the start. Great voice. Got a, he's got a great rock voice as well. That sort of husky, deep husky voice. They just go well together. Yeah, yeah cracking, cracking team. Did you just have the two songs, or did you have just three? the two songs? No, no, just the two, mate. I, I don't know. Just had. It's been good going through this weekend. It's a good choice, mate. Eighty-eight, because uh, yeah. I, I hadn't listened to this album for a very, very long time, and just mm. rediscovering some of the tracks on there through. Slightly older eyes and ears, hmm. um, and actually going back and re- looking at some of the docos on them, and how they got together as a song, as, as a partnership, because they, they, they were um, they had bands and careers way before Roxette. Hmm. They were around in the late seventies, right? Wow. Roxette, Roxette formed in eighty five, hmm. uh, and they uh, she was a she was a successful singer. He was. A successful songwriter but it wasn't until the two sort of met up and said well let's do something together and the rest as they say right so mm. yeah well same same question same question david is this an album you would go and purchase and put in your record collection today 
Yeah, I did. About, oh, you did? About a year ago. Yeah. Nice. I think it might have been one of the anniversary albums or something. I've got a um, mm-hmm. I've got a red, red vinyl of it. So yeah. Totally. Nice. Yeah. Great. Thank you, mate. Oh, good man. Let's let's move down to Tawa. Glenn, how are you, man? Right. What have you got um, for us? All right. Let's play. Let's hit play on something a little bit different. So that's Gigantic, the single from the Pixies album called Surfer Rosa. Came out mm. in 88. Um, doesn't sound anything like the ones we've just heard at all. Um, and that song's, um, yeah, let's, let's, it's a bit of voyeurism about big, big love, forbidden love. And yeah, most of the Pixies stuff off this album tends to talk about lyrical or, you know, subject matter that it's a little bit risque, um, sort of things about, you know, oh, mutilation and incest and um, voyeurism and superheroes and all crazy bunch of different things. Um, but, yeah, the Pixies certainly brought a different slant to the 80s and obviously that loud, quiet, loud, quiet sort of dynamic Influenced so many bands. Um, I think after that, yeah, so many different bands wanted to do something similar. Had a big influence on Nirvana. Um, PJ Harvey um, heard it and went, "Oh my god, I want to do that." And sought out um, Steve Albini, who did the production on it. Um, yeah, um, they were only around for a very short period of time between sort of eighty-seven and then fell apart about ninety-two. And it's only in recent years that they um, have sort of got back together again with the original lineup. And then Kim Deal, um, who was singing on that track, left the band. Um, yeah, so really unusual sort of songs. Um, and I, when I first heard it, um, yeah, I was like, what the hell is this about? And it's just hilarious <laughs> the more you get into these little stories. And, you know, it's a... You know, they're not the prettiest people. Black Francis is the person that sings um, on it. And he's a rather large, overweight sort of man who just sort of screams. And it's quite entertaining. It's, that's, <laughs> for some reason, it's, it all works. I'll play one of their other um, songs, probably one of the more fa- their most famous song. Yep. Um, and it goes like this. We've all had days where we're actually wondered where the hell are we, where is our mind? It seems to have gone on the blink. I mean, the inspiration for the song was he was swimming in the Caribbean and he saw little fish in the sea and they were trying to chase him. So, again, was he he on something? Had he been drinking coconut milk? I don't know. Hard to say, but they certainly (laughs) took. They certainly took inspiration and maybe the sort of darker side of life, which is, <laughs> um, which makes it really appealing. Um, 
Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, the Pixies. What, uh, sorry. what I find really interesting about that song listening to it, right, is I think if you had like a um, like an oscilloscope or something that measures like decibels, right, and you put that mm. song on and you put Smells Like Teen Spirit on, I reckon they would pretty much match. Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of similarity in there. Um, there's, there's a lot of songs about Puerto Rico on here and a bit of pidgin um, Spanish as well. Um, so, yeah, really, really weird and really fun, really quite popular, um, poppy sort of songs. Um, and it was a big hit in the sort of the underground, I suppose, um, in the UK particularly. Um, and they were on the 4AD label. So, yeah, just to finish off, I'll play a little bit about Tony's theme. This is a song about a superhero named Tony. It's called Tony's Theme. I think that's pretty much the whole song. I think it's only about 30 more seconds left of it. Um, but yeah, short and sweet um, and, and a, a great deal of fun even now. Have you always been a Pixies fan? No, no. When did that happen? Um, I would say Roughly. probably about 95, <clears throat> 96. So they were kind of gone, well, after, well and after, truly hmm. gone by yeah, and I think their their popularity just grew and grew. But there was sort of this thing that got passed around, um, kind of like the violent femmes in some ways. Um, when you like listen, when you hear, if you jump on Google and you hear the, the you you see all the terrible music that came out in '88, New Kids on the Block and Rickass mm, and all this mm, sort of mm. shit that they pumped out. When you hear something like the Pixies. Well, I mean, were they an underground scene yeah. or were they, yeah. they were underground? Yeah. They were on an indie label in the UK for AD. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. I mean, it wasn't. The only way to get hold of that was to exchange cassettes, right? Correct, yeah. yeah. You didn't, there was, it wasn't on the radio. It wasn't on MTV. No. The only way you'd ever be able to get that stuff back in the day was go around to Chadwick's house. And <laughs> yes, yeah, Glenn, 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 Glenn knew all about them, absolutely. Yeah. And um, you know what? It still sounds super fresh. Um, oh, totally. It, it still sounds fabulous. There is um, none of the, there's really none of the 80s production in it at all. No, Steve Albini, I think, hate, would have hated anything to do with that sort of thing. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, Nirvana sought him out to do, um, oh, in utero because of that album as well. Um, yeah. Cool. No, it's right. Super, super well, influential. 1988, where your typical computer had 64 KBs. That's right. Kilobytes. 64 kilobytes. Can that you believe was, it? But she was a beauty, a thing of beauty, the Commodore 64. The Commodore 64, Dave. Yep. You could uh, listen to Eddie Van Halen ripping out Beat It. The Chicken Nuggets had just been introduced. Oh, my is a, goodness. Is that a band? The Chicken Nuggets? Yeah, 1981, <laughs> Chicken Nuggets were introduced. Yeah, I still don't think there's any chicken in them. Um, what else had happened? Oh, anyway, who cares? So we're talking about uh, music and madness and movies. And we've had some great selections so far. And I decided to sort of do a little bit of what Glenn did, really. I went for something that's not really 80s sounding. But being as it's New Zealand Music Month, 
I thought I'd go with these these guys. I actually tried the um, uh, Shona Lang album. Oh, yep, yep. Oh, South. That was a hard album to get through. I couldn't do it. But uh, I do love this band. And let's just crack straight in with this tune here. See if you recognise it. 1988. The magnificent crowded house, mm. Temple of Low Men. Yep, is the album, and uh, oh god, I f- forgot how good the album is, and it's just a cracker, honestly. It's, it is, yeah, it's classic. Oh, it's a classic, but <clears throat> to my pleasant surprise, again, the sound production. As I as I do more of these shows with you guys. I find it interesting listening to the sound of the things that we all pick. And um, it's definitely pr- production for me is becoming a bit of a thing as I'm getting to turn into an old bastard. But um, I just love the sound production of this album again. It doesn't sound really dated. There's, it's got proper bass guitars in it, not synth basses. Uh, vocals are very choppy, sharp, lyrically bang on harmonics harmonies fantastic um and this is a beautiful song song to our chosen here i hope you enjoy this check it out you're showing me how to give into temptation knowing full well the earth will rebel Muddle of nervous words could never amount to betrayal. Yeah, intertemptation. That's brilliant, brilliant, brilliant song. Yeah, isn't it just? I mean, the songwriting. It's just phenomenal. The lyrics it, are amazing. It's amazing chords. he can write a song like that and then he can write a song like Catherine Wheel or something like that, which is, you know, <laughs> he, he's got such a such a broad palette. Yeah. Neil Finn. Yeah. Um, Neil, Neil Finn. Agreed, Dave. Agreed. He's, uh, he's a genius and it's been said. Mm. And, um, I'd agree with that. It just surprised me, you know, Everybody knows Crowded House. Everybody's heard their music. But in 1988, compared to what was out there when you look on Google, this album was way, way, way ahead of some of the horrible stuff they were smashing out. And uh, it probably never got the recognition. Uh, um, better, better Be Home Soon's on that, isn't it? That's, that's mm-hmm, got to be one, mm-hmm. of, one of my favourite acoustic intros to a song. Not too complex, but it's just the way he plays it. What is it? Where is it? Is it... Well, this is right for you, mate. Here you oh, go. You got, it. you got it there, mate. Yeah, I love it. Back to nothingness, like a week in the desert. And I know I'm right. Wonderful. Mm. And all I can say is, I mean, yeah, <clears throat> I think maybe they didn't have that synth sound because 
possibly they're a New Zealand band mostly, and maybe the synthesizers hadn't arrived over here. I think Eddie Rayner. <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Rayner. Yeah, I was no. going to say, like, the split uh, end stuff, come on. <laughs> yeah, the end. yeah, yeah. Surrounding him soon. But that's, that's my point, is that Eddie's got it, Eddie Rayner's got it out of the system back in the 70s, the early 80s, yeah. mate. He's been there, done that. But, yeah. um, and, and they've learned it. They've gone, you know, they've gone, oh, look, we don't need to. Although I think I could hear some synth in that, right? Yes, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's it's tasty. That track. It's, uh, yeah, really nice and tasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, it's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Masterful Guys, songwriting. I was joking. <laughs> I know this, there is synths and stuff, but it's a. Uh, I mean, because I think because it came out of New Zealand and Australia, Australasia. I just, uh, I just think that they're they're way bigger than what most people thought they were well, mccartney's on record right when they asked mccartney what's it like to be the the best songwriter in the world and he said well i don't know ask neil finn <laughs> you know i mean yeah there's a pretty go. high on it and he invites invites neil finn to the linda mccartney benefit concert right i mean and neil's going what you want me there it's, you know i mean yeah. the guy the guy is just a legend oh. um you know. i think um I, I got a video one time, a DVD, and it was the Farewell Tour in oh, Sydney. Sydney Opera oh, House. yes, yes, yes. I remember watching that, yeah. I think we all watched think... a simulcast live at the yes. time, if I remember right. Yes. Was it? Yeah, 96. I, yeah, I think if I had the chance to go and see any concert, I think that would definitely be probably in my top five. I just think Crowded House were a smashing band. They were amazing. Yeah. And uh, they just had hit after hit after hit. But then something like Into Temptation, which is just, a, and again, just a beautiful song. Mm. But, My favourite um, album of theirs was um, Together Alone, which was the sort of the, the last album. Not a lot of people. It's my favourite one as well. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Nice. Yeah. yeah, I love that record so much. Yeah. It was funny. It wasn't until like 96 that I actually gave, actually probably gave them Joe's. Mm. I don't, I probably, was, I was like, I, oh, whatever. I saw Crowded House in Hyde Park, um, and they were brilliant. But I saw Neil Finn solo as well, which mm. I think was Shepherd's Bush or somewhere like that. And, um, and that was just a phenomenal gig. He um, he got through like maybe ten songs and basically said, "Right uh, under your seat, there's a sheet of paper. Uh, write down what you want to hear and just throw the paper airplane at the stage." And the rest of the night, that's all that happened. They basically just, just oh, was pulling up bits of paper off the stage and going, oh, Catherine Wilkes, okay. Walking on the spot. <laughs> How does that yeah. one go? I can't remember. You know, like, it was phenomenal. Wagon yeah. wheel. Oh, what? It, do, it, doesn't seem, it, it doesn't seem anything pretentious about him, eh? which is quite <laughs> refreshing. Yeah, big, oh, big got regret a, I, got... Is, um, I, I got to meet him. I met him um, at the Hobbit premiere yep. on oh, nice. Courtney Place. Yep. And... Um, Went to get his autograph and he's like, Oh, yeah, no worries. Uh, you got a pen? Oh, God. <laughs> I think, um, I think musically, I've, I've played quite a lot of Crowded House stuff on in bands, mostly the more sort of um, better known songs. But you know, musically, they the music, the music's really difficult. It's um, Distant Sun is a hell of a song. Mm. Just get your chords around, and even into temptation, man. This the bloody hard songs to play. They're not three chord wonders. Um, I think with I, them as well, they were always like really tasteful in the mm. arrangements of the songs. You know, they never went overblown. And, you know, even no. like the, the slick pop ones were still just really, really well done. You know, the production again, just the arrangements are just great. Yeah, I mean, and that's what makes them timeless for me. Yeah. Mm, they are a band that you, they could, you know, and, and obviously are still releasing albums now and still have that that sound, you know, that kind of that sound, mm, mm, which is cool. Absolutely. So that's the Temple of Low Men. That was the album I chose. Should nice. you have it in your record collection? Absolutely. Yep. There is actually a nice deluxe version they've got out, which has got some samples on there and some studio home tape stuff, which is really, really fun. Um Anyway, 1988 was the year we uh, d 
diving deep into it at the moment, and we're going to check out the movies. Let's start with David on this one. Oh. What movie did you go through? David, I'm interested to hear what your choice was. Oh. Also, are you doing Work this? Work all night on a drink of rum. Stack banana till the morning come. I love that. And of course, I went for Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice. <gasps> Three times. Oh, dear David, you're in trouble. There he is. Oh, it's a, it's a brilliant movie. Gotta love it. Uh, yeah. Tim Burton's second movie. Uh, Back in 88. Um, where do I start with this film? I was, I think I might have, I think it was a P, PG-13. And I went and saw it on my own in the cinema on the school holidays. Um, which was, I thought it was just the coolest thing. Go to the movies by yourself. I'm old enough to get in. <laughs> and, uh, and, and and it's, yeah, because that's right, because we couldn't take my brother and sister. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I said, oh, yay. I'm still going to go and see it, Dad. So I'll go during my time. Uh, yeah. And, you know, watch this most recent, most recently up in Awakura. Did places. you? We did, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> there was fuck all else to do because someone yeah. had COVID. <laughs> so on the upside, I can with this crazy voice sing the really low bit there. You want to hear it? Go, man. Do you like come and <laughs> me one go home? Banjo <laughs> calling, mate. Oh, you are a waste at weddings, mate. Oh. <laughs> um, rest in peace, Harry Belafonte passed away um, late last month, 90 something years old. What a great innings! And um, obviously, made that song very famous. So, um, oh, what do I want to say about Beetlejuice? It's comedic in places without being a comedy, it's got elements oh. of horror without being a horror. You know, so you're watching it, right? And the, the opening scene, one of the early scenes where their faces are melting and it's quite, it's a bit scary for kids, isn't it? Uh, you quickly overcome that because you realize that it's more silly than anything. You've got the guy, you, you've got the um, the ghosts or the dead people. Yeah, the dead people, the couple trying to scare, and that's what they were trying to do. They were trying to scare the people down at the, the dining table. Um, but they're obviously not very a, not a very scary couple, and, and that in itself has got you know there's a whole comedy show on that. And then you've got the the waiting room where you've got the Indian guy with the shrunken head, and he's sitting there, and it just looks so <laughs> ridiculous. But it's and it's so funny. And that's when you go, oh, this is not as scary as as perhaps I thought it might be. Um, it's a clever movie because it doesn't really have a genre. You can't really say it's a horror. You can't mm -hmm. say it's a comedy. You can't. It's kind of genreless. That's how I see it, anyway. Um, and was this? This was starred Michael Keaton, didn't it? Did Michael was, Keaton? This is. Was this his big kind of burst before Batman? Was it Batman? No, he Batman was around the same. It was about the same time, wasn't it? Batman. Just be, this was just before. Just before. Yeah. The year before oh, was Batman. Batman was eighty nine, wasn't it? Just Batman, before ninety. Yeah, Batman was. Um, 80, might have been late 88, early 89, because I only mm. know that because I saw that one in the cinema, the one with Kim mm -hmm. Basinger, um, mm. Michael oh, Keaton. Freaking loved that film. Jack, Jack Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great another, movie. another classic. Um, but this one, uh, Beetlejuice, um, you know, watching it the other day, well, la it was last August or whenever we were in New Plymouth, it's generally held up. I mean, the special effects 
were done in a way that were it was silly at the time you know it was it was that hmm. it was stop motion it was that clay animation you know a lot of, a lot of the, a lot of the special effects were clay animation right so um the the table scene where like the hands come out of the the um the the dinner setting and then you've got i don't know what it is uh, these clay worm things all sort of dangling around everywhere and it's just ridiculous and because it's ridiculous it, it kind of held up it's still is today and it's, it was back then um what i i think for me with that film what i love about it most is that you know it is it's a tim burton movie who directed it hmm. and you know if you look at tim burton's early movies like that and peewee's big adventure and yeah. and then you know they are just macabre and and surreal and totally off the chart kind of thing very very wacky Bonkers. but his back his yeah his background was in animation he worked for disney as an animator mm, mm, yeah so that's how he got his start yeah um and uh it was i think beatrice was also the first one that he did with danny elfman as for the soundtrack okay um and um yeah i miss a brilliant soundtrack listen to, to the score for it it's all over the place again just completely manic and yeah yeah. And they've worked on pretty much every movie together since, I think. So, yeah. Well, he, he um, you might remember in the attic, there's the models, right? The model of the town, and the models of the houses, and that. And, um, and because it's real, it's a bit like what you were saying before, Ian. You know, when you've got real instruments being used, you know, think it doesn't date as much as you, mm. know, you start using, say, um synths to play a bass or you start in the mm. in film you start using cgi you look mm. you look at look at the movies that have come after it that have from a cg from a, a special effects perspective like even the star wars movies the um one two and three but the cg on that looks looks pretty dated and that was sort of 99 2000 or whatever um this beetlejuice movie in 88 has generally held up um because it's yeah i mean it's the yeah. time that they had proper actors you know and they learnt their lines and they yeah it was a it was a good time terrible so, actors they don't learn their lines these days god damn it they don't they have no martin a, what are you doing all on an ipad <laughs> oh. if only i got lines if only i got lines <laughs> it'll you happen, need an ipad just, you need an just... ipad to remember them <laughs> I re definitely remember Beetlejuice being uh, being a really fun movie when it came out. Everyone was excited to go and watch Beetlejuice. Did you guys get that? Yeah, I didn't yeah. go to the movies. I would have, I would have no, seen I it on a video. Movies. I would have been on a VHS like years and years later. Mm. Yeah, mm. it was uh, it was rated it was fifteen fun. in the UK, and um, yeah, my brother snuck me in to see it. Nice. <laughs> so, bro your brother's got a lot to answer awesome. for, hasn't he? he sure <laughs> does. Indeed. It's all his fault. Everything is his fault. Yeah. I love it. I think that's awesome. So there's a there's oh. a Beetlejuice two um coming out where you've got Winona Ryder uh reprising her role, but she's she's the mother. <laughs> you've got um Michael Keaton. Mm. And as I say to someone, the one thing there is he doesn't need to he doesn't need to dress up anymore. He, he, can, do, he, he, he can do the role as is. He's <laughs> naturally all, falling apart. He's, he's naturally he's naturally that old. Decomposing. Um, and, that's right. Um, and uh, and yeah, so that that'll be really interesting. I'm not quite sure why they'd do it, but I do know why they'd Agreed. do it. Agreed. I agree. Money. Yeah. <laughs> Money. Um, yeah. Oh man, the nostalgia buzz that we're all on is a I shocker. I know. Carry it on, Glenn. That was me. Yeah, thanks, David. Thank you, mate. Carry it on, Glenn. What have you got for us? Keep it right. nostalgic. Let's see if you guys can guess the film. Can you guess from a bit of the old Beethoven what it is? It's the old Bank Arcade in Wellington. Yes. <laughs> it's the old Bank Arcade in Wellington. Great, right? That's exactly the That's what they use. The old PNZ Bank Arcade. No. 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 Oh, no. sorry. 
I all right. Can, so I think we can also yippee ki around about <laughs> I think so. I think it is yippee ki time. I mean, I looked through the film list, and what's the one film that I constantly keep on watching from 1988? It's a Christmas classic. It's Die Hard. Um, and it's freaking brilliant. There's not too much more you can say about this film except that how awesome it is, how stupid it is, and the fact that it's, again, kind of like David was saying, it's, a, it's, it's pretty violent. You know, it's not like it's... That's plenty of plenty of people get whacked on this one, but there's it, it's done it's delivered with charm and it's delivered with um, a joke and pithy one-liners, and it's got a great bad guy Hans Gruber, and you know, I mean, what more can you say? If people haven't seen Die Hard and you kind of like that sort of style of a bit of humour with it, you know, if you've seen Deadpool, you're probably gonna like this. Um, so 1988 Christmas classic Die Hard. It's starring who's that guy? Um, Bruce Willis. Yeah. And this was his first sort of major, major role. Um, Tough they guy. offered, yeah, they offered the role too. Sylvester Stallone, Richard Gere, Clint Eastwood, Mel Gibson, Burt Reynolds, Nick Nolte, Harrison Ford, Don Johnson, Richard Dean Anderson, oh. um, Paul Newman, James Kahn, and Al Pacino, um, and potentially Arnold Schwarzenegger, but he turned it down because he wanted to do Twins uh, with Danny DeVito. Oh, which he did, yes. Which he did, yeah. and I remember liking that movie when I was younger too. Totally, but, yeah. And I wouldn't go, but I wouldn't own it. Tonight um, is your night, bro. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, the story there, right, is, is the Arnold and sort of Sly rivalry because they really hated each other's guts back then and were like so competitive. And the um, Arnold basically said to Sly, I have got the script, it's an amazing comedy movie, I'm going to do it. And it was a uh, stop or my mum will shoot. <laughs> and he kept trying, and he basically he had no intention of doing it at all. He basically wanted Sly to do it. Awesome. So they ended up picking the guy from Moonlighting, which was a soapy sort of TV show, romantic comedy. And everyone was like, who the hell? He's he's that guy from Moonlighting. What was that other movie he was in that had the word moon in it? Oh, I don't know. He was in a movie where there was two detectives and they used to sing. Well, we ain't got a barrel of... Hudson no. Hawk. Oh, Hudson, Hudson Hawk. Hawk. Was this yeah. before Hudson Hawk? Yes. Gorgeous. Yes. It yes, was. Yes. Right. yes. So, yeah, Would you, you know. To swing on a star. star. <laughs> 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 Terrible movie. Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. Um, and, you know, it's got one of the great bad guys, as I said. You know, David's talked about Alan Rickman before. And what was the movie that you liked, David, so much? You loved it back in the day. Robin Hood. He was the, yeah, that's it. He was the sheriff of Nottingham. But before that, he was Hans Gruber. And he was oh. magnificent. So, yeah. It was his first ever movie as well. Because wow. oh, he's delivered. a stage. He's from the stage. Oh, and he brings class to the role, yeah. a malice and a funniness to it. He's just fabulous. Good on you, Alan Rickman. Mm. Love this film. Oh, since, you just reminded me. Shout out to Alan One, my taxi driver this morning. Alan right. One, Alan One, if you're listening, you said you'll be listening. Thanks for the heads up, mate. He reckons, guys, we should do a jazz fusion. Oh, nice. Absolutely. And and guess what? There's a taxi driver who's got a leading role, I think, in this movie, hasn't he? No, no, oh, he's the God. limo driver. He's oh, the yeah, limo driver. Is he? Thanks, oh, wow. Alan One. Thanks, Alan, Alan One. one. Yep, he's right, let's move on to Martin. Martin, yes, what have please. you got for us? Uh, yeah, okay. Let me play a clip from my one and see if you can get it. That mother? No, Ruprecht. She's not our mother. <laughs> Go on, Diana. You were saying... Ah. Well, I think that the... Ah! Ruprecht! May I take your trident, sir? Yes. Now, Diana, as you were saying, you don't think the poor should be allowed in museums? I think the Ruprecht, poor... don't take the cork off the fork. Why is the cork on the fork? 
to prevent him hurting himself and others. Oh. <laughs> Ruprecht, eat your applesauce. <laughs> Ruprecht, we have wonderful news. Diana and I are going to be married and we are all going to live in Palm Beach. Ruprecht! Eat your food. Excuse me. May I go to the bathroom first? Of course you may. So, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels is my movie. Um, starring Steve Martin and Michael Caine. Uh, came out in 88. Um, I love this movie. It's, it's, every time I watch it, I'm in hysterics. Um, like, um, it was directed by Frank Oz. Who, oh, brilliant. When he's, um, when he's not doing... Um, Yoda. Comedy movies. He's Miss Piggy mm. and Yoda. Yeah, that's totally. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, he's just got away with with his comedies. He also did Death at, Death at a Funeral. I don't know if you've ever seen the original one of that, not the horrific Chris Rock yeah. one or whoever it was, but the original one is it's just brilliantly done. Um, again, they're very kind of you could imagine this as a stage performance. They are very kind of like well written and like pacing and stuff is just really bang on. Um, I'm a big Steve Martin fan. Um, I love all of most, nearly every movie that he did, really. Uh, but um, this one for me, yeah, it just stands out. It's just it's a great one line, isn't it? Very, very funny. Um, basically, the story is the two con men, um, rival con men, and they're trying to get a, a, the, the big score, basically, to kind of, and they find this woman who's like supposed to be this wealthy. Uh, aristocrat and basically try to con her out of all her money um, and by the end of the movie it turns out that she's been conning them and she's actually a con artist as well um, but um, yeah it, it's just yeah it's, it's, just, it's just really well written very brilliantly acted they make a great pair Steve Martin and Michael Caine they clap each other really really well um, and um yeah, it's just one that I remember having on like VHS back in the day and, and kind of wearing out along with like planes, trains, and automobiles. <laughs> Those kind of classic ones. A big comedy fan, big comedy fan. And this was a cool one. Yeah, Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. What a great movie. And it's yet Thanks, another Mark. appearance of Michael Caine. He's back again. He never goes away. Everywhere. I tell you. And, um, Got a little movie here myself, actually, that I'd like to... Now tell me, do you feel this? No. <laughs> How about... that? Nothing. Nothing. <laughs> Watch yourself, Janet. Pick a little bit. Thank you. Hmm. How about this? And if you've never seen that that movie, it's actually Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, the same as Martin's. <laughs> <laughs> we do it once again. We cross over. You're a legend, uh, man. Oh, I'm back. Yeah. Oh, it's, <laughs> do you know? I thought it I didn't. I didn't know you like chose the last one. I know. Oh. I didn't. I, uh, but hey, what can I say that you know? Martin, I think Martin's covered it really well. It's uh, it's a cracky movie, and I did rewatch rewatch it this afternoon. And uh, God, I forgot how funny it is. It's really good screenplay, and um, yeah, Steve Martin, Michael Caine. I just they're on on fire. And they're really bouncing off each other the whole way through the movie. Very, very funny scenes. Hey, maybe you could do the rest of this review in Michael Caine's voice. Don't throw them bloody arrows at me. And actually, during this, at the end of the movie, he has to portray himself as an Australian. Because they, she <laughs> says, so oh, he's, he's an Australian. His Australian accent is absolutely shit. <laughs> Good day, mate. Let's put some <laughs> bloody shrimps on the barbie. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
don't throw those bloody shrimps at me. It looks. It, it appears one nah. day we might have to have a Michael Caine special. Oh. Well, what? what Let's Martin? see if we can invite him on. <laughs> yeah, I'd love to. He's but been in everything Martin, else. What Martin didn't didn't pick up on, which he probably knows, but the movie also has another Star Wars character in it, which is Emperor Palpatine, yeah. who, who acts Ian, as the butler. Ian McDermott, yeah. or whatever his name is. Yeah, Ian McDermott. McDermott, yeah, that's right. And uh, it's an interesting role for him, but uh, again, plays it very, very well. It's a, if you want a Sunday afternoon, rainy afternoon movie, 100% go and watch Dirty Rotten Scoundrels. And, and whatever you do, don't go and watch the remake, the one with Anne Hathaway, um, where they actually stole the script. It's literally like the script. All of the jokes are actually from the original Dirty Rotten Scoundrels, just done with Anne Hathaway and um, oh. the, the Australian one, Rebel Wilson. And I it's like, even though yeah. they done one. Oh, yeah. don't, don't do it. Don't oh, do that's, it. That's a good tip. Go and watch the original. Absolutely. It's a cracking movie. Yeah. Great. Well, that was 1988. In a nutshell, thanks for listening to the podcast, people, wherever you are. Thank you, boys. And have a great week. This is Glenn's favourite song. Oh. Oh. <laughs> Oh. Mm.